Welcome to the 9 to 5 Killers podcast, an explorative and insightful journey inside the minds of some of the most successful entrepreneurs who have killed their day jobs to pursue their passions. Streets raised me, born in the 80s, baby. Lord save me, because today I'm going crazy with this bullshit. 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 Crazy with this bullshit. 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 Welcome to Season 4, Episode 7 of the 95 Killers Podcast. I'm your host, Glenn Graham, and today's guest is an enterprising young man with a passion for hats. He embarked on his entrepreneur journey while still continuing his day job at the esteemed JJ Hat Center located in the heart of New York City. In a bold move that would change his life forever, he took the leap and launched his own hat business. This unexpected turn of events showcased not only Lagarde's determination, but also the power of pursuing one's dream alongside your regular day job. With years of experience and extensive knowledge gained from working at JJ Hat Center, Lagarde was able to refine his craft and develop a unique style that resonated with hat enthusiasts around the world. His profound understanding of different materials, styles, and fitting techniques allowed him to cater to a diverse customer market. Ladies and gentlemen, allow me to introduce Lagardi, founder of Lagardi's Hats to the Nine Five Killers podcast. Welcome to the show, my brother. Glad to have you here. Oh, happy to be here, brother. Thank you. It's been a long time coming. Absolutely. And, I, and I'm super proud of you. We've been knowing each other for a while now. Yep. How long have we known each other for? We've known each other for about, I, I'd say give or take about maybe three years now. Um, I think we met each other about the three years ago uh, before all the weirdness happened in 2020. So Yes, yes. So I want to start first by finding out where, where are you from? Where's your family from? Well, everybody's from Haiti. Um, that's where uh, most of, of, of my lineage originates from. Um, some people from Port-au-Prince and then some others from Fort Liberty in Haiti. Are both your parents from Haiti? Yes, both my mom and dad. So my mom is more from the Port-au-Prince side while my dad is from the, the Fort Liberty side of things, yeah. Is that where the manners come from? Because when I, when I first met you, that's one thing that stuck out about you is the way you carry yourself, your manners. I was actually born out there. I was born out there. I came, uh, came to the States when I was about six years old. And yes, actually, I would attribute a lot of my, you know, my qualities, especially in that realm, to the upbringing that I had uh, growing up. So a lot of, uh, a lot of, there's a lot of emphasis on respect and what respect really means in its entirety and respect not just for yourself or for others, for all things around you. So I kind of carry myself being conscious of these things and, and being cognizant of how I'm treating everything around me. And so do you have any brothers and sisters first? Should I ask? Yeah, I have a couple actually. They're, uh, they're half brothers and sisters, so I don't, I don't get to see them nearly as much as I'd like to, but I have, I believe uh, I have two sisters, two elder sisters. I have one younger brother and then two other siblings that I haven't met yet. I think one's a girl, one's a boy, but one day. You know. And they're all in the States? No, they're, uh, they're a bit scattered. I have uh, some of them in the States, uh, Boston, uh, over in uh, Miami as well. I have some cousins and, and brothers and sisters out there. And then a lot of the other ones are in Haiti. Tell me a little bit about your parents, who influenced you? Did any of your parents influenced you to be in this entrepreneurial realm that you find yourself in currently? Well, I would say my mom would be the primary contributor to that specific aspect of things. Uh, she's always been a, a mover, you know, she's always been a move maker, uh, which is where I draw a lot of the inspiration from. She's never really sat in one place and let that one place dominate her spirit. She's always uh, had the, the, the urge to get out there and put herself out there and try to seek something that she doesn't have. So I think I pick up a lot of those qualities from her. As far as the influence goes, um, I, I saw her work not just as regular nine to five, but a nine to five and then some, which is why I have, I think I have no issue doing that now. You know, I don't have an issue working two, three jobs as long as we get to the goal because I've seen I've seen the, the fruits of that particular labor. You know, I've seen somebody wake up day in and day out. And the one thing I'll say about my mom is, is one of her more infamous quotes, she'll never tell me no. You know what I'm saying? No matter what it was, no matter how out of reach it seemed at the moment, it'd probably be a maybe or a hold on, I got you, but it will never be a no. So when it comes down to like, so one of the mottos of 95 Killers podcast mm -hmm. is, you know how people tell you, don't quit your day job. Yeah. Like meaning like, you know, I understand you got your passion, but 
stick to the day job because that's going to be solidified. We have a, our quote is don't quit your daydream. What do you think about that quote? Well, I'm a daydreamer. Uh, I've gotten in trouble for it too many times as a kid. I continue to get in trouble for it to this day. Sometimes I seem like I'm out of it or even asleep, but no, my mind is just moving at a million, a million miles per second and, you know, trying to not be on that type of time. Uh, the one thing I told myself, because I spent some time in San Francisco, in fact, the earlier parts of my adult life were spent out there. I went to school out there, so I stayed out there. And the one thing I told myself coming back to New York would be that I would not lock myself into the nine to five lifestyle. That's not something that I would do. But seeing everything and, and, and being a part of everything that goes on here in New York, you can't not make money. So I integrated myself into the into that culture simply as a as a building block. You know, these this is the, the, the steps that I will take to separate myself from that. But, you know, you can't you can't just say no to broccoli without trying broccoli out is, right. is, is my take on it. OK, no, I love that. And when you say um, I want to I want to um, kind of dig a little further mm -hmm. when you say in New York, you know, you you have to make money more money. What does that mean to you? Like, it's cause you can make money working a, um, a nine to five and not in, um, pursue your ambition. So sure. is it a money thing or is it something deeper? It's it definitely your, something your deeper. I'd say, uh, I think it's, it's one of those things where New York is an interesting place, right? New York is one of the only cities in the entire world where literally 24 seven things don't stop. There will never, you know, like you can't go too far in Manhattan or in any of the, the boroughs without seeing somebody's lights on doing something, whether it's, you know, running a business that's overnight, whether it's restocking the shelves for the next day. We're one of the few cities where 24 hours, the oil is always burning. So it goes deeper than that. I think the entrepreneurial spirit of a New Yorker transcends even what it means for most people in some other places. Like we're out here as if it's, it, it's, you know, like it's a get rich or die trying, or it's not necessarily about the money, but about putting yourself and your family in a better position. I think that that's the major goal with all New Yorkers. I think a lot of New Yorkers are very family oriented and they're either sending money back home to their family or providing an opportunity for their families to thrive out here. So I think it goes goes deeper than the money because like you said, you can you can get up and, and go to a nine to five and just make money if that's the, the end goal. But I think most people here want something bigger. It's not the mm -hmm. big apple for no right. reason. Big ambitions, everything. Big 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 ambitions, big legacy, those yeah. words come to mind. Yeah. Um, Tell me a little bit about, because you have a very unusual name. I always thought that, but I never <laughs> found out, I never asked you what the name stood for. So uh, tell me a little bit about the name Lagardi. Is that a first name? Is it a last name? Lagardi is my first name. Uh, my, my name is... Uh extremely long and it has a whole lot of a uh, whole lot of, of twists and turns to it my my full name is Lagardi Olivier Termenfils that is a mouthful um but the name itself originates from Haiti my mom uh, mentioned to me that it was somebody in her past that she named me after specifically someone who saved her life that was the original Lagardi wait a second so someone saved your mom's life can you tell us about that story tell us like a little bit detail like what was uh what was the the I guess the area um, that this person did that saved your mom's life. Like, tell us the story. We would love to hear that. I she hasn't given me all the details, but mm -hmm. uh, her life was in, in danger, according to to what she told me. She was a uh, her health was at risk. She was in a very precarious situation. Can't go too much into detail on it. But Lagardi, the original Lagardi, was there to um, not only mediate her through the healing processes of that, but physically get her out of harm's way in order to move forward with her life safely. You know, I think that that's, that's one of the, the, the most admirable things that I've personally heard. Um, and to, you know, to name your child after someone who's potentially a stranger, who you, you don't have too much familiarity with, I think that speaks to the, the power and the, the gratitude in which she had in moving forward with naming me after the gentleman. Well, so hearing that story, uh, have you ever met this person? Because according to her, like that's a reason without without him, you, you may not be you wouldn't be here. So have you ever sought this person out or wanted to be in contact with them? No, uh, Haiti's a little difficult when it comes to tracking uh, information like that down, especially with the older generation. It's a little easier now for the younger generation. 
with things like social media becoming a very prevalent thing in Haiti. In fact, I'm connecting with a lot of my family members now, or rather reconnecting with them. Like They know of me, I know of them. But until the last couple of years, we've all taken a major initiative, especially on my father's side of the family, because I'm pretty familiar with my mom's side of the family. Right. But we've taken a major initiative to bring all the pieces together from my father's side of the family into into, you know, areas where we can get together. We could have these family functions and really get to know each other. Uh, one of the major sticking points for my, you know, the event that I threw to launch my new hat was the fact that a lot of my family members did in fact show up and they were showing up from far and wide. Wait, let's, let's back up a little bit. So for you guys that don't know, about a few weeks ago, maybe two weeks ago, mm-hmm. I attended an event that Lagarde did in Brooklyn Navy Yard and I saw it on Instagram and I know I had some clients I had to see and I wasn't 100% sure I was gonna make it, but I was so inspired when I seen what you were doing um, and it was launching a new hat. So tell us a little bit about this launch, how did it come together? I mean, you had a live musician, like a saxophone player, you had an amazing model, you had a, a liquor sponsor, those guys. Tell us a little bit about what you were doing and how did you put, bring this all together? Well, uh, the overall goal was to establish uh, the lifestyle brand itself. Uh, that's what the, the very first event that I did here at JJ's and then subsequently leading up to this, this event for my launch of my hat, those are the things that I had in mind. We're introducing a brand new, amazing, intricate piece to the lifestyle brand itself so that we can, we can push that forward and also push forward all the other entities that were involved. So the major thought process behind everything was to bring everything and conglomerate everything into to one, you know, one hub. So that's where the, you know, the live musician comes in. That's where the model comes in. Hercules Mulligan, the uh, liquor sponsor, that's where they come into the mix. So all of these things have a have a role in the aesthetic that we're trying to push right and the aesthetic that we're trying to push is the aesthetic of the modern day gentleman the modern day hatter that is the primary goal that's the primary objective so we wanted to show all the things that are involved in creating that image and also creating that lifestyle we simply want to bring the best out in the modern day gentleman, the modern day hatter. And those are the things that I use to kind of put the the event together. We had a lot of help, you know, and nothing in this world I think happens without collaboration and, and, and reaching out to people and, and, and getting people involved, you know, and not just regular people, people were passionate about their craft. So when Hercules Mulligan came through and they were just, they were so enthused about the shop and what we were doing. And when I told them that I had a new hat that they're launching, it didn't take them, I, I didn't even finish the <laughs> sentence before they said no. So it, they were, you know, right. like bringing those elements together made me really happy because we give everybody an opportunity to shine underneath one umbrella. Yes. And it, one day it might be, you know, they might be hosting something and they need Lagarde hats to pull up there and I'm there. I love it. And so something that you said, um, and I want to bring it to people, because a lot of times when you hear about um, business, people, business people talk about products you talk about building relationships and I, and I'll mention this because when I went to your hat event, Mm -hmm. I wasn't a hundred percent sure I could make it. And I said, I tried, but I actually ended up making it there. So when I get there to your event, there's somebody setting up and it's a guy I don't, I don't, I don't recognize him. He's setting up some ascots Mm -hmm. and he says, Glenn, are you Glenn? And I'm like, yeah. And he's like, Oh, he tells me, um, Terrence. I'm like, I don't know the name. And so Terrence happens to be um, there's an app that I'm on called Clubhouse and I had a room called Small Room Great Value mm-hmm. and he was a member of oh, wow. that group and we never met in, um, physically. This was the first time we met was at your, your show mm-hmm. and then we hit it off like we were the best friends and he told me who he was and then I realized. So when I think of lifestyle, mm-hmm. like tell me how is it because that you even connected with Terrence and, 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 what, and what was he doing at your event? Okay, so Terrence and I connected uh, via the Sartorial Club. The Sartorial Club is a, a group that is, uh, they're based around in several cities around the world, but uh, their New York branch were hosting an event where they were honoring some of the best creators, uh, you know, in, in the sense of fashion in the city. Uh, we were, you know, honoring things like the best suits the best shoes and their their primary thing are luxury fine luxury items that you can you, you can get 
all around the world. So they're not just limited to your your standard your standard concepts of fashion. Like they go out there, procure their own materials, bring it back, create their designs. So Terrence and I met there. Terrence is a is a custom ascot creator. He creates his, his ascots out of 17 mommy silk, which is the highest level of silk that you can create. So he was at the event because he was uh, being presented with, I believe, the best the best hat or the best accessory or both. He was uh, one of the nominees for that specific thing. And because we're a, you know, we're a staple in the hat game, they came to us and they, you know, they wanted somebody to come and give this award being the, you know, being who we are to, to give this award to the, the person receiving the award. So I got together with a great panel, a lot of designers, a lot of artists, a lot of tastemakers, I would say, in the city. And then subsequently we got together, we spoke about all the different nominees, why this is, and this is one of the best conversations I ever had. And the crazy part about it is I was like, on the go. I was on the way to work riding the scooter and I'm on a conference call. I'm on a Zoom call. <laughs> and I had to stop every 10 minutes to look at, you know, look at the panel of everything in detail. And it was to me, it was one of the most New York things I think I've ever done. Like you rushing to get somewhere else. And in the meantime, you still working. So we met there and then Terrence happened to get chosen for one of the awards. And when I saw that, I was just like, oh, this guy's cool. So then we get to the event, everybody's setting up at the event, and then Terrence casually walks in, and then he's just like, you know, he's kind of observing everything. He's a very, very cool, chill guy. So he's kind of working the room and seeing, seeing where everything is. And then I go up to him, I'm like, yo, you're Terrence, because I, you know, I saw his picture and all. I'm like, yo, you're Terrence. And he's like, yeah, yeah. I'm like, unfortunately, right, <laughs> you might tell you himself, I accidentally told him <laughs> that he already won, which I don't oh think I should have. I don't think I should have <laughs> done, done right away. Oh, man. But I was just like, oh, my God, bro. Like, I, I, your, your stuff is amazing. You're, you're the winner. And it's, <laughs> I should have waited like five extra minutes. But he already kind of knew, because, you know, he already knew he was the man before he, he got up to the stage. And then we went about it gave him the award and subsequently I met a lot of the people that inspired me to kind of do my own thing you know not not just you know sit and wait for something to happen here at the shop but kind of really go out there find my source and bring something back so I like I like what you said right so currently you work at JJ Hat Center right mm -hmm. um, I'm a I'm a, a member of JJ Hat I've been shopping here for years my question to you is, as a person that works here, because mm -hmm. a lot of the things that I do with 9-5 Killers is I encourage people not to leave their day job, per se, mm -hmm. but <clears throat> to get another source of income. Mm -hmm. How is it, or what was your experience with deciding for yourself, this, this was something that you, for anybody listening, that you decided that you didn't want to rely on one source of income? Well... We'll start by saying, you know, like we'll go back to the, my original mission statement when coming to New York. You know, I, I told myself I wouldn't submit to a day job either. But wait, quick question: Where were you coming from? I'm coming from California. So oh, I, you I, were I, there I, first. Yeah, okay, yeah, I did, I did. I was in SF for a little while. Okay, and I did a lot of my studies there at Academy of Art University. And after you know, I, I, I did the, the thing. Was in college, worked a day job, and all that stuff. But it, it wasn't hitting because I feel like you sacrifice a little bit from both sides you have almost half-ass everything that you do in that aspect because you're fully committed to giving you know your your talents and, and everything to the day job while subsequently trying to use those very same talents to build your own repertoire and build yourself up so uh, in working here it provided me a rare and i mean a super rare opportunity to mix all of the things that i was good at in one particular place. So after a while, especially after I got used to the, you know, taking care of the hats and customizing the hats, I no longer felt that it was a day job anymore. It was more so of an extension of what I was already good at, you know, mixing in my, uh, I've studied a little bit at FIT, so mixing in all the fashion knowledge from there, mixing in my illustration knowledge in customizing the hats. I've been a salesman my whole life. I, you know, I can sell water to a well. So <laughs> it's it's always, it's it, like I said, it was a rare opportunity to bring everything together. So um, being here kind of just solidified everything that I had cooking up already. and. It was it created a canvas for me to work from another kind of canvas for me to work from artistically. Right. No, I love it. Um, what are some of your earlier some of your early experiences with working for yourself? That you're gonna fail a million times, and it's okay. That that was one. When of you the, say I'm gonna fail a million times, what do you mean? 
you're gonna you're gonna fail. You're gonna have these moments that happen where not everything goes the way you planned it. You know, you can plan a million times over, but I feel like you don't truly get these lessons until you've you've gone through those losses. You learn how to lose gracefully. You learn how to lose, but still take the rewarding lesson that comes from it, so you can better yourself. So a lot of my um, a lot of my trials and tribulations early on in starting a business for myself was realizing that I am responsible for everything that I do moving forward. If somebody does, if I don't, not even somebody, if I don't do something, then it doesn't get done, simply put. If I don't, you know, commit somebody to executing a part of the plan or be humble enough, as, as we spoke about, to acknowledge when somebody is great at something, you could be good at something, but if somebody is great at something, you must give them the opportunity to really ride that out and push their passion mm-hmm. to the world, you know, with your vision, of course, but understanding things like that those were my early experiences uh, operating my own business or starting to operate my own business. You have to accept the good with the bad. Give me an example of a time where maybe you had a talent of, for somebody or somebody was working somewhere mm-hmm. and maybe you micromanaged them or when you were micromanaged and someone didn't let you reach your full potential. Has that ever happened? You have stories of that? Oh, and yeah. And what did you learn from them? One particular story sticks out uh, because, you know, and th- this is one of the things that I guess one could say would drive you away from seeking a nine to five, but it kind of influenced me to be a better be a better businessman and and be a better employer when I, you know, like down the road. Um, This particular instance, I finally felt like I broke, I broke my way into the industry. Um, I'm not going to say who, you know, but I linked up with a designer. Um, This designer was, he's pretty well known throughout the industry, but silent well known. You know, it's one of those people where that's your favorite artist, favorite artist type of thing. I linked up with this designer. They had amazing work and they kind of, they were moving for themselves rather than, and we were just all pieces being shuffled around. Whatever they did was not to benefit the team. It wasn't to, to raise up the artists that were beneficial in accelerating their work and bringing their work to where it was. It was more so a, a big old chess match and pieces are being moved around and sacrificed all willy-nilly. What I didn't understand at the time was that I was just one of those pieces rather than a, a cohesive part of the team, which I initially thought I was because I was sold on their product. I was sold on their vision, on their movement. So I invested all of myself into that only to realize that I was just a piece being shuffled around. Oh, so, so how, was, do you, how, do you fi- how do you find out that this is happening and how do you not do that to someone else? Well, I remember how it made me feel. You know, I remember distinctly how it made me feel. I've never, I've never been bothered so much to be released from a job. Um, it, it usually it's like, okay, move on, find another job. But when you're going into this thinking that this is a person who, who has the same ambition and the same passion as you, but they just, once again, they're moving for themselves. You say to yourself, well, you know, like, I know how this made me feel and I would never want to make someone feel like that ever. Yeah. So with that being said, you know, moving forward in my endeavors, I want to make sure that if I am bringing somebody on for the team, I, I established that. And I, I wouldn't, in a sense, bring anybody on that I wouldn't consider an equal. I don't see anybody as a piece to be moved around. I see individual character within people. And I see, I see the, the talent being brought forward. I'll never diminish that just for me. Wow. Wait, so that's imp- impressive because let me tell you something. You highlight people. Like even at the event, you did it multiple times. You did it with... Um, with Terrence, right? Mm-hmm. You gave him a platform to speak at your event. You you also gave me a platform. You highlighted me, and you highlighted so many other people you were working with. What is what about you that is so confident that you will put other people, um, uh, like not above yourself, but you will give them like it's your time to shine. But you were you were equally as as happy to put us. Hey, these guys have helped me in this way. What makes you so comfortable to do that? Because these are the people that have built me, you know, um, in essence, like these are the people that have got helped me get to this point in the journey where I can feel confident. I feel confident because I have good people behind me, not just good in the sense of the humanitarian way, but good in the sense of like they, they do their job diligently. I'm a big um, I'm a big advocate for efficiency. 
I love efficient people down to the you know, down to the nitty gritty, like the most, the, the, the best compliment that I think I could give you is like, yo, you, you are an efficient, whatever it is you're doing. <laughs> um, cause I think that that, that trumps, you know, that, that trumps all, all, not all the qualities that you can have as an, you know, as an artist or as a producer of something, but it's, it's, it's very having the ability to not only do something, but do something effectively over and over and over again shows that you have a mastery in your craft It's second nature. You know, that you're breathing in and exhaling your craft always. And that, to me, is why I have that kind of confidence. And, I mean, there's enough of me, you know, and I, I believe in myself mm -hmm. as much as I believe in anybody else that I put around me. And I think that, that that's a big chunk of it, too. Yeah. If I didn't believe in myself as much as I did, there's no way in hell I put my fate in someone else's hands. Right. You know I love it. You told me a story earlier when we, we linked up that I was unaware of mm -hmm. about our first time meeting. You shared it with me the day of your event, but you yeah. gave me some more insight today of like what you were going through. Would you mind if you feel comfortable telling us like how we met first and then how did it develop? Because I was unaware of this. Okay, so as you guys know, Glenn and I met here at the shop at the, over at JJ Hat Center. He's a frequent flyer here. So came into the shop, regular customer, uh, looking around. We got to talking a little bit. And then from there, the conversation, you know, always generally leads to well, what do you do outside of here? Told him a little bit about what I was doing and what I was working on. And then he told me a little bit about nine to five killers. I was like, oh shit, that's, it's a very interesting concept you got there. And you know, every, every day thereafter. And so we linked up again at his first event. I, it stayed in my mind. I'm like, damn, you know, like this is something that I literally told myself coming in, coming back to New York. This is literally, you know, my, this is, this is my vision. This is what I want to do. I want to get people out of the mentality because I feel like it's comfortable. It's comfortable going to your nine to five job and it's fine. You, you have safety, you have stability. So, um, but I, I don't want that. You know, I want a little bit more. And if you want a little bit more, you have to sacrifice a little bit more. You have mm -hmm. to sacrifice that comfort. You have to sacrifice that safety. So after you, after hearing that and you told me you were having an event, it only was natural. How many years ago was this? This was, this was a few years Five ago. Five years ago? Was it? It was three, three or four years ago, okay. easily. Okay. Um, but then, you know, circumstances, right? So at the time, right, just doing my regular nine to five and trying to save up to build myself and, and, and push towards my endeavors, I was broke, as most New Yorkers are. <laughs> but you see, the, the beauty about us is no matter how broke we are, you'll never <laughs> know how broke we are. I was broke that week. I couldn't pay the phone bill, so... I was like using the Wi-Fi on the subway and all the, all the, you know, like I, you, you find that if there's a will, there's always a way out here. So I was doing everything that I could, but I knew for one thing that I could not miss this event. So I took some time off on the day of Glenn's event. And in the, you know, every time I was on a different subway platform, I would text him, I'm on my way, I'm on my way. <laughs> and, you know, didn't pay the bill. So the phone wasn't working naturally. Right. But the one thing that was working on that phone was the GPS. So, as long as I had your address, I could be there when I said I was going to be there. Yeah. And lo and behold, I you know used the GPS, tracked down the location of the studio, went up, and then all when I got upstairs, I didn't know what to expect, of course. But when I got up there, all I saw was creatives. I saw a creative space. I saw a creative space that can be changed and move around to accommodate any given creative endeavor, any any project that comes about. This room essentially could be worked to match whatever you needed for that project. So when I got there, I was like, oh shit, this is real. And you know, for the second time I experienced, I saw, and this is important for me, right? I saw an older black man, right? In the, in the, in the grind, in real time, right? You don't, so you, you see people when they're successful. You see them people before they get successful, but that in between time when they're super busy, you don't see them at all. But here I am with a rare opportunity to see somebody that looks just like me moving forward with such a strong concept. This is the concept that they tell you not to move forward with. They tell you not to quit your job. And here this man is giving, giving me a reason to want to leave or not just leave, but pursue something for myself, which I think is 100 times more important than simply just leaving your job. You stay at your job because you need that. But if you're going to leave, you got to leave for something bigger than yourself. And that's what I saw in real time. So when I saw that and I, I tell Glenn, you know, like I didn't forget that, you know, I, I tend to, to hold.
hold on to these these random things that people just cast away you know like no one would be thinking you go to an event you leave the event that's it you have fun you didn't have fun that's it and you move forward from there but whenever i get when i whenever i feel inspired by something it's there it's locked in it's not moving anywhere so when i saw that i said to myself damn get yourself a space get yourself some product put something together and put all of your effort and put put your reason and your mentality and your beliefs behind it because that's what's really going to sell it. It's not the, the product. It's anybody could buy something, but we're buying, the, you, you're, we're buying the story. We're buying the lifestyle. We're buying the inspiration. My life is about that. My life is supporting creatives like yourself. So I want to tip my hat to you because when I went to your event, your event looks so much better. And, and, I, and I can say this with like, put my ego to the side, people. Like we have to be able to say that something is, oh, people say, oh it's just different than yours. I said, no, it's, it was better. <laughs> His, his event was better than mine. And I say that because it sets the gauntlet to another level. Right. If I say it's different, I'm trying to diminish the greatness. You can say whatever you like to do. I'm telling you that to me, I looked at his event, the energy was better. Their people there were all like, they were all there uh, in servitude and, and they were all helping each other. I didn't have that. I was behind a lot of it. And I had, did have people there that was amazing people. By the way, we still work together. Mm -hmm. But the difference is, um, there was a, a energy that he captured. Um, he had a live saxophone play. What's the gentleman's name again? His name is Utrill Rayburn. And if you don't know who he is, folks, yes. I suggest giving him a look-see. He's over on Instagram and all through the web. He's, he plays primarily at Central Park. You had um, Terrence, the Ascot father, yeah, a.k.a. Yeah. You had this woman that was there that, that um, I met on the bus over there mm -hmm. like to see you. She was actually doing something. What's her name? I want to give her a shout too. Oh, was it Sarah? Sarah. Yeah. Shout yeah. out to Sarah. Yep. Sarah's also an artist. Yep. And Sarah was super nice. We met on the bus on the way. She was actually bringing the hat. She said, I can't show you the hat, but because uh, <laughs> it's not, hasn't been released to the world. So she, <laughs> so she kept your secret. So there's all this great creative energy that was in the place. The hat man, um, mm -hmm. he had this amazing uh, fur hat. Yeah. I don't Estuardo. know what it was for. Oh, what's his name? Estuardo. Estuardo. Estuardo Meta, yeah. Estuardo Meta, the, aka the hat man, yeah. right? So you had all these people there. And I said, you know what? It's an appreciation of you, yeah. right? And and what I want to say is that when you are around people that elevate you, it makes you step up and do better. So I want to say you make me do better. Me, so I know you made me do better for sure too, man. right? But you're not a I'm not a traditional like hat person. You put you put things together that I would never think to see somebody put with a hat. Well, uh, I just. It, I guess one could say that I it started back you know back in the Parsons days or whatever the case may be. Um, I've always been a collector in all things streetwear, all things uh, all things fashion that that generally interests me. And then being an illustrator, sometimes you can't help but draw yourself. And one of the the the, the major things that I did was I I drew myself with a flat brim fedora. Now this was years before I even thought about even putting one of these things on. This was this was in my baseball cap days. So I started off as a baseball cap collector and what drove me in that direction was graphic design. So like I said, all these things are connected. So being that I, I have a, a good graphic design background, I'm always looking for good logos. Logos that speak to you without saying a word. You know, when you see something, you automatically know what it is. So I was... Uh, I was very selective in choosing which caps I went after. If you had a good logo, I'm going after it. If um, you were, you know, if you were upgrading your team and then you had some prototypes of that logo, I'm finding it. I'm gra I'm grabbing it from wherever nook and cranny of the internet I can. So after that, um, it graduated into you know all things, all things streetwear, whether it be sneakers, jeans, hoodies, and things like that. But as I started to get older the older spirit tends to manifest itself. You don't know when it's going to happen. You don't know what time is going to be there, but suddenly you dress, you dress a little finer. You dress a little more, a little more mature, they say. So it naturally came to me in life. So what completes a mature outfit better than a hat? You know, the initially getting here, you know, it, it started off with being at a wedding. One of the, the uh, coworkers that were, he was here before he was there as well. He saw what type of person I was in the realms of fashion. He said to me, yo, you know, I work at this hat shop and I think that you'd be a great addition there. Up to that point, I didn't know he worked at a hat shop, but I work at this hat shop. I'm like, hats? What do you mean hats? He's like, fedoras, man. I'm like, oh, okay, all right, cool, whatever. You know, I'll bring in my resume Monday. 
I brought in my resume and never left. Wow. So you, so do you find, how long ago was this? This was in 2000, I want to say 2017. You said this happened when? I'm sorry. About six years ago. Six, so, year, yeah. six years ago. So when it comes down to the, because like I said, you have a very unique style. Mm -hmm. um, I find that a lot, I, I don't see a lot of people that dress like you. That's what stuck out to me immediately. Mm -hmm. Like even like you have this, uh, this, this chain on, I want one of these chains. So <laughs> I got to ask you, um, where'd you get that chain from with the pendant? So this specific chain I made for myself, uh, okay. I decided to, uh, you know, procure some, some good crystals and then okay. wrap them as well as uh, get a good braided leather to, to host it on and carry this permanently. I chose the leather because, you know, you want something that's going to be durable and stay on you forever without snapping, but something flexible enough that you could wear. So I asked you earlier, um, yeah, yeah. I, asked him, I asked the guardian earlier, uh, <laughs> where do I buy this piece that he's wearing his neck? And he said, oh, I made it myself. And like, but how do I get it? And he was like, I think you like, I didn't think to buy it, uh, to make it. And I'm so, so I would always say, and this goes to any entrepreneur listening, when someone likes what you have on and you are an entrepreneur, you have it for sale. Um, I look at people and I like how you carry yourself and that, that just really takes you to another level. So when someone has, when you have a natural understanding of style and fashion, it's easier for people to see and, and, and want what you have. So my question to you is, how do you decide uh, what, you, what you're going to have for sale and what you're going to decide, like, I'm not going to do that? How do you decide? Well, it, you know, a part of it goes with the feedback that you do receive while you're walking around and getting out there is one of the things that led me to ultimately creating my hat. Had I, had I not gotten the feedback so many times of, why don't you have your own hat line? I don't think Lagardi's hat would technically exist at this point. Maybe down the road when I when I eventually got enough of those, but um, it, it all it all comes from. So when I put something together, um, I initially do it for me, mm. but I also see it from the perspective of someone who's looking at me and what kind of uh, what kind of what kind of outlook that I'm trying to, to give off. Or what am I trying to show them with my outfit? What, what, what of my artistic presence am I trying to put out there for people to see? So I'm cognizant of what I'm putting on myself in regards to how it fits on me, but also I'm cognizant of what people see when they look back at me and what I'm trying to convey. So that goes, in, that goes a lot into the way I put my outfits together. And then as far as deciding what's gonna be for sale and what's not gonna be for sale, it's I take all of the best things from all of the different places and different aspects of, of my artistic presence, you know, uh, I mix all of those elements together and I bring you an, an amalgamation of everything that I was thinking about or feeling at the time as a collection. So every time I do put out something for sale, it's a collective of all of the things that inspired it mm -hmm. at that precise moment. So okay. you don't feel like you get cheated you know, you, you didn't get this part of it when I, but, but now I got this part, you know, so things yeah. like that. Yeah, so you make it, it's like it all, it, it kind of embodies who you are, your persona. Yeah, at, that, so at, I like, at that specific time yeah, in my life. I like that. Uh, I have a question. Uh, this is, this is going to go, this one goes out to any of young entrepreneurs or older people that want to put themselves out there. Mm -hmm. um, I want you to go back to a younger time. Yeah. Right. What advice would the would the older Lagarde go back and give to the younger person that has helped him to get where he is? What advice would you give to your younger self? Like you can go like maybe a time where you might have needed a pep talk from an older brother or somebody. What advice would you would you give him, knowing what you know now? Be the word selective is being thrown around. Have some selective patience, but have patience overall. Anything that you build in a day, anything that you don't put much time, much work or much effort into will inevitably crumble. Foundation is key. So that's that that would be the biggest piece of advice is to build the foundation carefully, strategically plan. You know, like a, you're going to need you're going to need things to fail. So you need to know what things to fix, what things to reinforce. Be patient. But be selective about the patience because there's going to be a time where you got to get shit going and you got to put things out there. Right. It's a little bit of both. Having, having that balance to know when things need to go out immediately or when things need to be worked on more methodically, strategically to produce the best 
product that you can, the best version of that product that you can. Okay. That's that would be the advice because I I felt like I think the one thing was thinking that I can turn something around, something that I want to last. Imagine this. Imagine you want to build something that lasts forever and it only took you a month to make it. <laughs> you didn't think you didn't think everything through. No. Right. No. So you no, miss, you miss out on so much. You miss out on all the little intricate details. But how do you know, and this is a follow-up from the younger Ligardi, how do you know, how do I know when when the right time is? What if what if I don't move fast enough? What if I lose opportunity? That's what he's asking you. How do you know? You, because you would have, ex you, through your experiences, right? Through your experiences, um, you, 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 it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a feeling. I feel like it's, the main thing is, it's not, the right time is very subjective. It's going to be the right time for you. And if you are in tune with yourself and you know the, the direction that you're going and you know the destination where you want to end up, I think the right time for you is something that you instinctually will feel. Problem and the, the advice that I would give is to be cognizant of that and to know when that opportunity is there, but also be prepared for it because it's going to come at any given point. And preparation is the key to making sure that you execute that to the best of its ability. Because if you are not prepared for the success and it comes to you, it's going to be even more of a blow than if it didn't pass you by just yet. So you gotta you gotta always be prepared for the opportunity to present itself, because it it you know it, it won't come right. when you think it's gonna it's it not gonna come, come when, when it, you it comes get, when it when it decides when it decides and how and how are some of the what are some of the ways that one would prepare for an opportunity? You provide all the you provide enough information about yourself so that people are can are constantly knowing what you're contributing to the mix that people always know where you're at in your, in your train of thoughts. You allow them a little bit of insight into what you're doing so that they also, that you, you keep your audience aware and also keeps you on your toes because now with them aware, there's a certain expectation that you build for yourself that you shouldn't be, you know, you shouldn't be afraid to build that you have to kind of, you got to put the fire underneath your own ass. Mm -hmm. and, and, and <laughs> <laughs> right. And, you know, that's what no, I love it. it. Yeah. So what I hear in that is, you, you're talking about communication, right? Mm -hmm. um, I believe good design communicates a message. Yes. How do you decide what message you're communicating with your designs? The concept behind it, there's usually always a, a, a concept behind it or a theme behind it. Um, I try to have, because you can just try to generate art from nothing and that then, then there's really nothing going on. It becomes really, really abstract, not in the best way possible. You need some type of heading and some type of direction uh, to establish a basis in which you're going to be pushing towards. Without that heading, you know, you're kind of just, you might as well just, yeah. yeah. How do you communicate it to other designers? Because you, like we all, we discussed with yours, like you're not the person that's, that may be designing every element of the hat. So mm -hmm. making sure that the people that are shooting your visuals, making sure that the people that are creating the photos, they have an understanding, a baseline of what it is that you're looking for, but also you're lenient enough to allow for people who are in a certain field to do the job that they were set to do. Precisely. Because right? I think a lot of times artists don't do that. So I have another question. This one is going to be a little bit of a flip. Mm -hmm. Now, the younger Ligardi, yeah. um, you get to ask him something that he was doing that was working that maybe you have forgotten about. <laughs> so what advice would you ask from the younger Ligardi that maybe you've you've had, and then as we get older, we may lose things that you admired about the young Ligardi that you may need to get back to? Oh, that's an easy one. The younger Lagarde was an aggressive tactician. I was 19 trying to squeeze into every nook and cranny I possibly could by any means necessary. And that, you know, that, that kind of just that it, it stems from a slight bit of ignorance because you don't know the, the real dangers of the industry a little bit. So you're kind of just diving in head first and taking in whatever consequences should come your way. But I feel like that that fearlessness is something that over time diminishes through experience in a sense because um, you start, you're aware now of what can go wrong. Before it was just a, a concept to you, a theory, it might happen, 
But, you know, as you get older and as you get into your craft a little bit more, it's happened already. So now you're a little bit cautious and you're not, you know, you're not you're not jumping off the cliff. You just you're kind of you kind of looking over to make sure everything is all right. Checking your parachute to see if it's OK. You know, mm-hmm. so those are the, that's that that is what I would have, you know, like that's that's what I would like tell the younger Lagarde, like go to the older Lagarde and be like, yo, bro. Let's go. Let's get Stop it. being fearful. So I, I, so I said, I wrote down an idea and I think you just kind of, um, I don't usually write down, but this came to my mind. If you want to be good before you start, you'll never get started. Yep. What are your thoughts on that? What does that mean to you? That you'll spend a lot more time in your head imagining the destination before you even take a step. And it's unfair to you because the faster you start stepping, faster you get to your destination. So with that, like, I feel like, you know, you, you being good is something that everybody strives for. So why should that be simply your only objective? Why not be a little bit more? Why not be better than good? Mm, you know, I love that. How do you keep yourself uncomfortable by keeping the people around you that feel um, strong enough that you can take the advice when when you're not leveling up well you be the you be the change you want to see right you know one of the biggest things with people who i'm associated with or my friends especially is that they know that i'll always be honest with them they may not like it they may not appreciate it at the time and even with strangers it's like I, i've noticed like a lot of the times when i was working retail especially with strangers that like sometimes like making them help themselves pisses them off. <laughs> it's the most interesting thing I think I've ever seen in, you know, in people is like, they'll get mad at you, but then you see a month later, they know what you're talking about. Mm. They learned it. And they've almost learned it's second nature because without you getting them tight and putting them in that uncomfortable position, they wouldn't want to shed their skin and move forward with a new, newer, beautiful version of themselves. Okay, so question, where does the fear come from being told that maybe you're going in the wrong direction? Well, you said it right there. A few would tell you. You know what I'm saying? The fear comes in the unknown. It's not, the, it's not what I'm saying. It's that the fact that you don't know what, what the results of it is going to be. You know, the, the fear does, yeah, the, that's where the, I think the fear comes from. You know, like when somebody tells you something that you don't want to hear, it's probably because you haven't heard it enough. What are your thoughts on everybody deserves an award, everybody deserves a, a trophy just because you participated? Are uh, you into that? Absolutely not. <laughs> <laughs> Here's why. Here's okay. why. And there, there are very good reasons behind it. Not simply because you're establishing hierarchy. You see, the, the problem is that we've been taught our whole lives that losing is a bad thing. Right. Um, if somebody's if you lose cancer, is cancer is, is, is that is that a bad thing? Cancer completely, you know, leaves your body. You lost it forever. It's not a bad thing. So we're taught that losing initially is a bad thing. And I don't feel like that's I don't feel like that's fair, nor do I feel like that that's a good practice because it's it's shattered dreams when you think in your whole life that just because you participated that you're a winner. And then you come around an actual winner. And then now you're just like, what the fuck have I been doing <laughs> my whole life? Yes. And it, 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 breaks, it breaks you apart, you know. And I've, I've been on that, that side of things where I've felt completely broken because you, you think you have a, a complete grasp of something and then come to find out that you barely know what, right. it, what, what, you're, talk, what you're talking about. So, yeah. like, I don't feel like anybody that, like, that's nice. But I think that you, you, wake, you have a ruder awakening to life when you are, like, when you think that everything is just, that you're inherently good at everything. Yes, you yes. Know? And, and I, I like what you said. And there's something that you mentioned. You said nice. And I hear people throw that nice word around yeah. a lot. Um, and then kindness, right? So mm-hmm. there is, there was a quote that I saw. It said, um, it's nice to be important, but it's more important to be nice, mm-hmm. right? So it's like when I think of people comparing nice to kindness, like when you get rid of the idea of, like, for example, somebody, people, I literally have people say this to me, oh, you're a nice guy. And I'm mm-hmm. like, don't call me that mm-hmm. um, because I'm, I'm negative and positive, mm-hmm. right? Um, have a balance of both. There's a balance. I have a friend named Paul. Paul is a pastor, and he said, 
Glenn, uh, I'll give you a theory. He said, um, we are both negative and positive. Even a battery has to be negative and positive. A, 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 a complete positive battery doesn't have a charge and a negative battery has no charge. Yep. Negative and positive makes the battery work. Yep. So every individual is comprised of negative and positive. So even when you have people that think a negative is bad, Think about all the times that you've experienced something negative and it drove you. Mm -hmm. it, it made you create something that, that you took that almost could have shattered you. Yeah. And you take that information and you wrap it around and you re-put it out to the world and it's positive. Mm -hmm. People ask me, how do you find the strength to do the things that you do? It's because all the people, not just the people that told me that I couldn't do it, the people that believed in me, because I don't want to make this into like, oh, the negative people motivate me. No, the people that believe in me, it, it, it makes me feel good. Mm -hmm. But also, I can't, I can't lie to you, there's a certain feeling of, uh, that I feel that, of joy when I shut somebody up that has been a crit critic of mine, mm -hmm. not with my words, but with my actions. actions yeah. And they come and they, they, they say to you, oh man, I always knew that you were this person, or, or they say, hey, um, if you need something, I can do this for you. And I look at them and they were high level, and I decide at that moment, were they coming at the time from a bad place, do I, do I indoctrinate them into my, into my circle, even though they didn't believe? I'm getting to the point now that sometimes some of those people can be indoctrinated into what I'm doing because maybe the disbelief was they never seen anybody like you. Mm -hmm. So yes, I can understand if you've never seen anybody fly mm -hmm. and then you see someone fly, you're not gonna, you're gonna think there's cables at first. Right. So if you see that they really fly, now you can say, hey, you mind taking me to Japan? Mm -hmm. I can't say, hey, no, because you didn't believe I could fly right. when you'd never seen it. Right. So I'm starting to become more aware of that. I can't be upset because someone didn't see it in me mm -hmm. because maybe I didn't see it in myself. Right. Once you see it in yourself and you, you materialize that, to that, um, that belief to vision, right. can you speak to that like when maybe someone had doubted you in a way and then what was the journey like and how has it affected you? Well, it was a uh, it's a it's a recent lesson that I kind of discovered or kind of culminated at the, the end of my 20s, which is, you know, almost poetic in a way where it's just like you're, you're closing one chapter of your life, which and that chapter was about all of those things that you mentioned before. So one of the, the biggest pills I had to swallow was understanding sometimes that like just because just because they're your friends or just because you have home field advantage, which is what I was thinking initially when I came back into New York, that it's not always going to be that, you know, you're not always going to get all your friends to come out and support you no matter what they say. They can say that they're going to come and then they don't come. Um, and that for me was just like, it, it derailed me. I ain't going to lie. It derailed the hell out of me because it was just like, what am I even doing this for? You know, um, as an artist, I feel like you experience that way more because you're constantly putting yourself out there, you know, in, in the regular aspects of like a nine to five job. Like you, there's rare times where you're like you're 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 putting your personal everything out there for people mm -hmm. to, to do something with and to, to get back no return, mm -hmm. especially from those who you find the closest makes a lot of people afraid of a lot of things. You know, uh, I think that people have rel relinquished their responsibility and accountability to a lot of the forces that exist around us. You know, uh, you know, like nobody, <laughs> it used to be that nobody farms their own vegetables anymore. Now nobody even picks up their own food from the supermarket. You get yeah. it delivered from, from Amazon. They don't even want to pick their own clothes. And, and so back. that's yep. a business. And I can't fault somebody who's like, I want to spend time thinking about math problems. I don't care about what my suit looks like. I get yeah. it. And I think that's where somebody like you comes in where you have, you'll do the thinking and, um, and maybe get, educate them enough that they can make informed decisions. I think that's what you, you're coming from with this. A hundred percent. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm more of the type that if we're all, and I, I saw this example, you, know, you never believe where, but back in you know, the nineties, the Xena and Hercules shows that used to pop up on TV um, every Saturday. And there was a uh, one particular lesson that I took from there that I never ever dropped, right? It, the lesson comes in, there's two little girls, right? One, they're both climbing trees together with a whole group of other kids, right? And it's the last, it's their turn to climb up. The first little girl goes up, she's a little stronger, she climbs up, she gets there herself. And then the other little girl, she stays at the bottom and she's, she reaches her hand. She's like, help me up, help me up. Then the first little girl doesn't reach her hand down 
and doesn't help her up. And then, you know, that lesson stays in the, the little girl that's on the floor stays in her mind forever until they bump into each other down the road when they're adults. And then she asked her, yo, why didn't you, when we were climbing trees that one time, why didn't you reach your hand down and help me? She said that because if I did that, you would never be able to climb the tree yourself one day. And that stuck to me in saying that the best way to help someone oftentimes is to inspire them to do it themselves. Inspiration is, a, is an interesting thing, and it doesn't always just relate to art. And I feel like that's, you know, like, oh, I'm looking for my inspiration. Uh, you know, they, they're often associated with some kooky artist that's going around the world, subjecting themselves to some weirdness to, to ultimately get back a product. No, it can simply be showing up and inviting someone to something that they've never seen before. And because they saw that one thing, now you got their mind racing to want to do something for themselves. And it could be a simple thing as, you know, like a, it's a simple thing as solving a math problem, right? Um, you inspire somebody to be, to be better at what they do or be more cognizant of um, how to structure things strategically. It may not be a math problem, but it might be something in life that can equate to a, a, a powerful stuff. Problem. No, powerful stuff. So I have final two questions and we're going to wrap up, but um, I have to address that. That was beautifully said, right? In terms of how to uh, motivate people, right? Inspire, inspiration. Mm -hmm. And you said sometimes helping somebody is not helping them, yeah. but providing the inspiration. Yeah. Because that's one thing that I've noticed. Like when I, when I try to tell somebody or convince somebody, of something with my words, mm -hmm. uh, it can be a daunting thing because you gotta get that person has to be ready to move. What I found that's helpful is like what that, that example shows. It's like, I'm showing you the, the, the path that I took. Mm -hmm. I'm not saying that you have to take that path. I'm saying that now you know it's possible. It's possible. right? Exactly. I may not reveal you the path that I took because my journey and your journey is different, but I will let you see that it's possible. There's people watching this, younger, older. Mm -hmm. What do you want them to know about the journey that may inspire them that they can do it for themselves? Mm, I got you right now. Mm -hmm. So with, with that being said, right, I always harken back to um, a picture that I saw on the internet, and probably everybody who has social media has seen this picture at least once. And that is the picture of the two miners, right? They're both in the tunnel together. One struck gold and one is about to strike gold. The one who struck gold already found a tiny little piece. It was extremely happy about it. The one who was about to strike gold turned away because he was disappointed that he dug just as deep but didn't find his piece of gold yet. My advice it, about the journey especially is sometimes you got to close your eyes or rather tunnel vision yourself to your specific journey and your specific path. Because the moment, for it's like looking, you're walking and you're looking in another direction. What you gonna do? You're gonna trip, you're gonna fall, you're gonna slip, you're gonna bump into something, right? All of these uncomfortable things are gonna happen simply from you veering off of your particular path. It hinders your destination, it hinders you getting to your, your overall destination. So when you're on the journey, you got you to gotta enjoy the journey. You have to commit all of your senses into being a part of that journey because um, it's something that we hinted at earlier. You're going to look back at those moments and you're going to laugh. You're going to be like, damn, remember that instance? Remember that time when the GPS was the only thing working? Remember, that's the journey. And it's the roughest part, right? And that's the thing. It's just like, just because it's rough, doesn't mean you should stop because the moment you do, that's when the story truly ends. <laughs> I love that. Okay. And, I, and, and you made me think of something that a story somebody shared and I think it's amazing. Um, and then we'll like close out. But uh, there was a, there was a um, person that wanted to climb a mountain mm -hmm. and a friend asked a few people that made the top of the mountain, describe what it was like to climb this mountain. So multiple people told this person how to climb the mountain and what they experienced climbing the mountain and then what the view looked like on top. To the point, they told him so much that um, this person asked, well, did you climb the mountain? He said, no, I don't need to. 
all of these people told me what's there, the journey and everything else and blah, blah. So I don't, there's no need for me to do it, right? So this person looks at him and said, you don't understand. Um, what, what they've seen on top of the mountain is not important. Not even the journey of the mountain when it's, is important. It is your personal experience and who you are when you reach the top of the mountain. Mm -hmm. Part of the journey that makes the, the view so beautiful because this guy was teleported to the top of the mountain. So he, he said, I saw the same view as all of them mm -hmm. without having to do all the mm -hmm. physical work. He said the, wor the, the joy is all of the, the mistakes and the setbacks yeah. and the, the, the journey to get to the top of the mountain that makes the, the, the view more beautiful. If you bypass all of that, you totally missed the point. That's how I feel about it too. You know, I, I've seen it in real time where people have taken the shortcuts. All of them have crashed and burned. And I, in a sense, I'm fortunate to have seen that because I've seen what the fast route gets you in a sense. Um, I've seen what clawing and walking over people. I've seen what all of that gets you. You know, you may succeed, but you ain't going to be happy about it. I'll tell you that much. I've seen a lot That's of people beautiful. that have everything, quote unquote, and they're the most unhappy people I personally know. And wow. then I've seen people, and I think, remember, I, let's go back to that that artist that I was working with and where I, I thought I, I broke into the industry, right? When that happened and I left their studio, I went around the corner to my favorite spot where I sometimes sit and smoke, and I started crying, but not because they did what they did, I started crying because I felt like and the, the, the surrounding, there was a guy down the street, right? And he was just beating on some drums like a crazy person. Come to find out that he's like an Instagram influencer. He crazy, he get paid to be crazy, right? Seen him beating on some drums, going nuts. And like, I looked down the street and I said to myself, gee, that man looks fucking happy. <laughs> yeah and that shit like it, wow it, the glass shattered for me right at that moment and i, I remember that because i it, you, you almost hear it in your mind there's no real glass shattering but you do hear it you hear the break and you're just like oh shit find what like, you're that, passionate right, about that man looks happy and the reason i'm here now is because had i continued going down this path who knows and that's a nice way to conclude this. <laughs> Lagardi, thank you so much uh, for taking time to be on this thing with me, this podcast with me. I want to thank my, my friend Roy Panini in the background, catching the music, the beautiful shots. Uh, Roy's going to be joining the team with me, and we are going to be doing amazing things together Absolutely. with you guys um, here at JJ Hat. Uh, they're going to see what we do for Lagardi Hats first. Yep. And anybody listening, we are going to be doing a live Listening party. Yes, we are. Do you want to tell us a little bit about the place that um, we had a place secured? I believe. I don't know if it's secured or not. Just yeah, we're still we're, we're in the talks of securing. You know, we want to want to get you guys there. Want to tell you more about the hats in detail that you can see it in person and and get all those things together. If not at that location, um, we'll we'll definitely have something put together, wow. and then we'll you know we'll be moving and working with that location in the future. But they are definitely um, a group that I want to you know work with. We have the uh, the brother Duke over at the Renaissance Hotel in Midtown. Solid, solid brother. So I can't wait to I met him. him. I met Duke. Yeah. So shout out to Duke from the Renaissance Hotel. Yeah. Lovely hotel. And if we do it there, there's going to be another little, I'll mention another little surprise for anybody listening. Um, Nine Five Killers has launched our luxury line. So I started out with the luxury leather caps. Um, and I'm, I'm launching a duffel bag. Mm. It is a camouflage, actually it's a tote bag. Camouflage tote bag. Um, and that will be on display, and, and we'll, it's made to order. So if anybody wants to put some orders in, you can, and we'll be. You can you can feel it. You can come by, feel it, mm -hmm. and soon, um, hopefully, I'll be working with uh, Lagardi. We'll see how we can if we can pair our stuff together. We will, yes. but understand that this is somebody that I respect highly. And Lagardi, is there something? Is there an offer we can offer my nine five killers listening a code if they want to come in to or buy one of your hats or order online? Sure. Uh, once once everything is all set up, uh, we're going to be taking pre-orders for the Lagardi's hats um, when they're going to be. I'm going to be providing information on when they're going to be releasing. Anybody that uses the code Nine to Five Killers upon purchase will receive a ten percent off automatically on the first purchase of the hat. If you are at the listening party itself, it will be a twenty percent off on all purchases of the Lagardi hat upon release. And that will that, the listening party will be the the physical launch of the product so that you can. Uh, 
either pre-order or make the purchase online. I will have a limited amount of them at the, at the listening party so that people can purchase if they'd like. Or if you are looking for some of the other colors that we have yet to release down the line, you could then place a pre-order for your size and your hat and then we'll get it to you. Wow. I appreciate that. Yeah, uh, and thank you for like season nine five kill listener. It, it helps to be associated with us. Um, it will be in a secret location because space is limited. And unfortunately we can't let everybody down there, but the ones that need to know will know. And we will have an IG live. So you will witness it. If you live in other States around the world countries, exactly. you will see the, the beauty and, and the guardian. I want to just once again, salute you for being an amazing inspiration to so many others, including myself. And I'm looking forward to watching you grow in the future and also hopefully being a part of that of that journey with you. So thank you. Oh, thank you, brother, man. The, the, the inspiration has to be inspired from something. So thank Glenn as well, man. If you know, if you didn't walk in that day and invite me to your event, I don't know if things would have came together the way they did for this one. So yeah. I appreciate you, man. Honored to know way. you, brother. Thank you for coming here. Thank you. Thanks for tuning in to the 95 Killers podcast. You can now visit us on our website at 95killers.com. We truly appreciate your continued support. Take care of yourselves and keep killing those comfort zones. Until next time, peace.